0: I thank you for being in the assembly tonight in the house of God. What a blessing and privilege it is. It's a good number on a Tuesday night of meeting. I thank God for the privilege to come. And I'm glad that you're here. Glad to see some of my folks here tonight. Glad to see friends here. I appreciate you being in the house of God. I really desire your prayers tonight that God would help me. I'm heavy in my heart for the service tonight. Amen. Have been for days about this service, knowing inside my soul what I had to preach tonight. I need the Lord to help me. need the Lord's help anytime, but when it's in serious natures, is it? We're not here to play games. What we do inside these four walls is not temporal. We're not dealing with just today and tomorrow and a few weeks down the road. We're dealing with eternal things, heavenly things, and holy things. We need the help of God tonight. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. I sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They're gone away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even under the head there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises, putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Saith the Lord. I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations, incenses, and abomination unto me, The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with, it is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me, I am weary to bear them. When you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to preach tonight, if God be my helper, and you'd pray for me on when God has enough. When God has enough. Isaiah is considered one of the longest lasting prophets. Among the people of God. We know, at least from what's told us in verse number one, from the death of Uzziah unto the sickness and the restoration of Hezekiah is at least 47 years. We don't know how many years. Before the death of Uzziah, we don't know how many years after the restoration of Hezekiah, but Isaiah was a prophet of God among the people of God for at least 47 years in the land of Judah and Jerusalem. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is considered the Bible within the Bible. There are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. There are 39 chapters that represent the Old Testament where there's much judgment and woe that is pronounced upon the people of God. And then all of a sudden in chapter number 40 up there's a change and hope is ushered in much like it was at the end of the Old Testament when there was silence and God didn't speak for 400 years and there was no prophecy and there was no prophet and there was no light. But all of a sudden out on the hillside to some shepherds, you would have thought that when God spoke after 400 years he'd have spoke to the high priest or that he had spoke to the Pharisees or the religious crowd but out yonder out in the desert on the hillside watching a flock of sheep was a despised group People, uh, nobody liked the shepherds, they didn't want their son to be shepherds, uh, but God chose them, uh, and he sent the angel of God to them uh, and hold possession in. Uh, and that the angel said, Be a good cheer, uh, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which uh, be to all people from years born of this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And hope was brought in. That's how it is in the book of Isaiah. Hope is brought in in chapter number 40, and last, it's almost as if somebody else, we know that Isaiah wrote the whole book, even Christ himself quotes from Isaiah in the latter portion of the book, so it's not a different writer, but if a human man was to look at the divisions of the book of Isaiah, we would say that one man wrote the first 39 chapters and another man wrote the last 27, but it was God, but God set it up that way. God is. Able to do that and he put it in his word or to show us what he's doing for us. Yeah. Isaiah prophesies more about Christ than any other prophet in all the Bible. Matter of fact, many times it almost seems, and I'm getting somewhere. you just better with me tonight. I feel good in my heart. I'm going to preach to God will help me up uh, for just a little while. But Isaiah almost seems, brother Joel, that he loses sight. of uh, many times of where he is, loses sight of the people of God and the message for that hour, uh, and looks beyond. God almost uh, seems to land to look beyond to a day. Uh, when a Redeemer would come, a Savior would come, the Messiah would come. It's like when he wrote chapter 53 under the anointed, of the Holy Ghost, that he would look well beyond his years a prophesy that the Lamb of God would come to take away our sin. Amen. But it's not called the Bible within the Bible just for those reasons. But if you look in the book of Isaiah, and it's not every chapter, but for the majority Just about every chapter, the content that is in that chapter will mirror or parallel with that consecutive book of the Bible that it represents. Here in chapter 1, there's a great abounding of sin and iniquity. And in my heart, the way the Holy Ghost has uh, spoke to my heart and laid this upon me, uh, I believe that there is a great mirror and parallel uh, under the record of Genesis chapter six uh, when the world was so full of iniquity that repented God uh, that he had ever made man in the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. I got two thoughts on my heart tonight that I'm gonna preach to you by the help of the Lord and then I'll be done and you'll respond however God speaks to your heart. I'm going to tell you and they sung tonight and I'm so glad about his love and I'm glad they sung tonight about his mercy while wow, they're singing and talking about the mercy of God the Holy Ghost got to working in me I come to realize something Brother John I think I'm right Brother Roger I'm saying this the mercy of God that the Old Testament is the type and the shadow of things to come when God looked at the mercy seat, he saw the blood. Just like they sung about tonight, he doesn't see us as we are, he sees the Son in us as he looks through the blood to see us. And so, if that's right, if the Old Testament is, and it is, a parallel and a foreshadow of the fulfillment of the prophecy in the New Testament, then that tells me that mercy is governed by the blood. And as long as God sees the blood, he'll always have mercy. I'm glad there was a day. But not by the blood of goats and calves. It'll pass away at the end of the year. But by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption. But for you and I, his blood won't dry up. It won't fade away. It'll always be there. And so as long as the blood's there, God has mercy on us. Amen. But as loving as God is and as merciful as God is and as gracious as God is, God's main attribute is His holiness. And because He is holy... There comes a time that God has enough. I thought about, and I'm not trying to be carnal or measure or attribute God to somebody or some man or some person, but I remember going up. My grandmother, for the most part, raised me, and I remember Brother Roger when, and it's a little different being raised by your grandparents, but I remember her saying, I about had enough. Hey. You know, you'd be doing something you ought not to be doing or something she wasn't pleased with and she'd say, now that's, that's enough. I've about had enough. And I'm going to tell you, there's a great God in heaven and he's sovereign and he's holy and he looks down and there's some records in the word of God where God said, I've had enough. Amen. In Genesis chapter 6, God said, I've had enough. And he had enough of the sin of the world the Bible said it looked day. he looked down and every thought of the imagination the hearts of men were evil continually and it repented the Lord that he had ever made man in the earth and it grieved him at his heart and he spoke to Noah brother Joel and he said the end of all flesh has come before me in other words God told Noah I have had enough I'm going to destroy everything that hath birth on the earth it will perish because I've had enough but before the wrath of God fell the mercy of God came and hope was brought in. Oh, I'm so glad. See, God was holy, and God still is holy, and God would have been just as holy, Brother Roger, to have destroyed Noah with all the rest. It wasn't that Noah was some special person. It wasn't that Noah had done some good deed. It wasn't that Noah was better than anybody else, but the whole difference of the whole story is the fact that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and that's the only hope that Noah had was a work of grace in his life. If you're here tonight and you're lost without God, I'm going to tell you my opinion. You don't have to agree with me if you don't want to. But I feel by the assurance of the Holy Ghost in me, I'm right at night and I've heard other people testify so I know it ain't just me. I think Brother Junior Matt may have said it last night or the night before about when he got born again he knew it was his last chance. When I got born again on a Tuesday night, the Lord inside me convinced me that this was it. You say what was happening? God had had enough. He was at the end. He said I've extended my mercy but if you don't take it now, have had enough. Now you can agree with me or disagree with me but I'm going to tell you sinner that there'll come a day in your life when God's had enough of your sin and the only hope you have before the judgment of God comes is a work of grace inside your heart. Amen. It's all a grace. It's not a works. You said it last night Preacher. By grace I was saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The hope that Noah had when God had had enough, before the wrath of God fell and judgment upon the earth, is because that Noah had a work of grace in his heart. But it wasn't just a work of grace; it was the will of God. See, God had a way. God had a plan before the flood ever came. Before Noah was ever even thought of on the earth. Before his mother conceived him and brought him into the world. God already had a plan and knew that this day was gonna come. And if Noah was gonna be saved, and I'm gonna tell you, people say, Well, Noah worked his way in. Noah built the ark. Noah he might have, but he had to do it God's way. He couldn't, God didn't say go out and build your boat any way you want to. God said this is how you build it you build it this long build it this wide build it this high put stories in it put a window in it put a door in it and I'm here to tell you tonight if God if Noah hadn't done it God's way the boat would have sank Noah would have been destroyed and the only way to that sinner you're to get in the family is to do it God's way Amen. Amen. that's right God commanded Noah he give him all the dimensions. Give him the blueprint. Yes, and one of the most blessed statements made about Noah is at the end of chapter number six. Where the Bible said, "Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he." You say, "What did he do, preacher?" He did it God's way. He didn't go out there and take Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and one of them boys saying, "Now, Daddy, we'd build it a little bit wider, or we could get it to go a little faster." Noah didn't make any alterations to God's plan. Noah didn't bypass. If God said, "Put them 16 inches apart," that's what he did. He didn't try to stretch it out to say money he didn't try to do it his way he didn't try to make the wife happy God said this is how you build it and if you don't build it this way it'll never work I'm going to tell you in these days the church has tried to do it their way that's why we got houses full of unregenerated church members and people that have never really been born again. I understand it's a little bit dry, quiet tonight. I understand it's a little bit different. But I'm going to tell you, it's a ringing in my heart. The fact that God is about to that place in somebody's life where he's had enough. But I'm glad before the wrath of God comes. And that's what was coming. Judgment was coming. Noah preached. That's what the Bible says said, Peter, "Who uh, called him a preacher A righteous preacher, at least 120 years, had uh, Noah preached the same message then, uh, that I'm a preacher tonight, judgment's coming, uh, you better get on board while there's time. Amen. I thought about today. It's no coincidence things happened in my life and happened in the day to day and I've had more than one conversation with more than one person today about the fact that the Lord has to be soon coming. I mean I'm not with no date setter and I'm not going to tell you when he's coming but I'm going to tell you it's got to be soon. We're about to the end. God's about to the place. I hadn't thought about it before until just now. He's going to come a blessed day where the Lord's handing up again and he's going to turn over to us. Say, and say go get your bride." it's enough I'm telling you now you better get in while there's time Amen. it took a work of grace it took the will of God but Noah couldn't just come any old way and Noah couldn't come any old time See, everybody wants to put Noah. They want to put works in it. They want to put man in it. But I'm getting ready to jerk the brakes up on that and pull Noah right back out of the equation again. Uh, Noah did build the ark. He saw the lumber. Brother Joel fell the trees. Uh, I don't know if he pegged it in. If he nailed it in, don't make no difference. Uh, He built it God's way, pitched it within, and went out with pitch, and there she was. She was built. You'd think Noah being the builder, he just went on in any time he wanted to. Didn't work that way. Noah got the boat, the ark built and he waited on a welcome to come on in. Noah did what God said to do. Noah did it God's way. But Noah couldn't just do it in the old time. Noah had to wait on God. I'm gonna tell you something tonight, sinner. If he's a dawn on your heart, you better consider yourself one of the most blessed individuals in all the world. What do you realize tonight if you're in the building and you're lost and the Holy Ghost is dealing with your heart? You're probably one of the smallest minorities in all the world tonight that the God of heaven... Would come to where you are, that He would extend His grace and mercy to you, that He would deal personally with you, that He would draw on your heart, that He would pull you to repentance, that He would welcome you in the family of God. I'm telling you tonight, if He's dealing with your heart, you better not push Him away, you better not turn your back on Him, you better get in the eye while there's time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you say, but preacher. But preacher. You'll never get saved saying but preacher. You'll never get saved saying but God. I remember... And you can follow that with me if you want to. It ain't going to convince me no otherwise. I remember, Brother Joel, the night I got lost as real as the night I got born again. I got born again on a Tuesday night, but I got lost on the Sunday before. And I was so miserable. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I tried to wrestle and reason with God. I said, but God, I don't know how many times. But God, I'm a church member. But God, I've been baptized. But God, I've made a profession. But God, I've taught Sunday school. But God, I've sung in the choir. But God, I've done this. But God have done that. But when God got me to the end of my myself, there's no more but God in me. You can think of me what you want to. I don't think I could've walked out the building without being born again that night. There's an urge and a force in me, pulling on me. I couldn't push, I pushed all I could push. He brought me to the end of myself. That's what he did to Jacob when he wrestled with him that day. He wrestled and wore him out. All Jacob could do was hang on. That's what he's wanting you to do and I'd send i out I'd quit trying to fight against him and just hang on yeah. and let him touch you and make a change in you see Jacob in that scripture is the type of the sinner and the work was done and Jacob changed his life forever it did the Bible said the sun rose on him and he hauled it upon his thigh and it never went away According to scriptures, it didn't. For the Bible said the children of Israel don't eat that part of the meat on that part of the leg bone to this day but because God touched Jacob's tie and made a change in his life. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. Sinner, God he ever touches your life. Touches your heart, touches you, he'll make a change in you and it won't go away tomorrow. It won't endure for just a little while and then magically you go back to the world. If that's what you're going to do, you ain't going to get the real thing. But I'm going to tell you if you get saved and in the family of God, my Bible tells me that when God welcomed Noah in and Noah responded to the invitation of God, we got it backwards in this day. We say the preacher's going to give an invitation. I'm not qualified to give an invitation. Brother Jr., as much as I love him, ain't qualified. Ain't nobody in here qualified. but about the Holy Ghost? And the Holy Ghost give you the invitation. You better come while there's time. And when Noah responded to the invitation, God shut the door. Follow that one if you want to. Noah couldn't get out if he wanted to. But I'm going to go further than that. The wrath of God was falling. He didn't want to get out. I'm going to tell you something tonight. I'm glad I'm in. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm in the ark. When the wrath of God falls, I'm glad I'm in. Matter of fact, my mind's running about a thousand miles an hour. Matter of fact, in the book of Genesis, the Lord, when he gave Noah the plan, said make rooms in the ark. Yes, sir. Now if you go into Hebrew and look at that word room, it translates nests. He said, put you some nests in there. You know what a nest is, don't you? It's where the mother bird ludes uh, over her brood. She don't leave the nest. I'm going to tell you something tonight. I'm safe in the nest. And he, what did he say that day? He looked out over Jerusalem. He said, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how have I gathered thy young ones under me like a mother hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you say, how do you act the way you act tonight when the world's in a shamble, It's because I'm in the nest and it's hovering over me and everything's all right with me. If you study science, and I, I studied this in the past, I hadn't thought about it in years but it's coming back out of my heart tonight if you study the way that a mother bird builds her nest, she knows what kind of twigs, what kind of berries, what kind of leaves to get that will prevent bacteria from coming in the nest and damaging the eggs. I'm glad for the day the Bible said the ark was lying within and without, with pitch without to seal the wrath out and within to seal us in. The pitch is the type of the blood. it sealed us in, I'm glad sealed Tonight. You say ain't got no Bible for that, I sure do. That said we're sealed by the Holy Spirit upon us until the redemption of purchase possession. I'm glad tonight amen. I'm, I'm gonna tell you why I'm glad. Because there's gonna come a day when God says it's enough. When God says I've had enough, that's why he didn't know his day. I heard a preacher one time preach a message on when God makes an end. I'm going to tell you what, when God says the end, that's the end. You're not going to push God's pause button and ask him to write two more chapters. He's the author of it all. When he says the end, it is the end. And I'm glad to have an end. Before the end comes, before the wrath comes, before God says I've had enough, I'm glad I'm in. How about you? But there's a main difference between Genesis chapter 6 and Isaiah chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 6, he majors on the world. In Isaiah chapter 1, he's writing to his people. I understand it's Old Testament Scripture, but it's on my heart tonight from the Holy Ghost to apply it to our New Testament church day. Do you realize, I read in your hearing tonight, that it got so bad among the people of God in verse number 10, I believe it is. In verse number 10, the Lord calls His people the rulers of Sodom and the people of Gomorrah. The Lord calls His people Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what the Lord said. Isaiah said, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. You say, Well, how do you know that he wasn't talking to Sodom and Gomorrah? Because of the next phrase, Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, that wasn't their God. But it was Israel's God. And the Lord looked and he said, I've nursed and raised up children, and they have rebelled against me and then the Lord begins to write and I want you to notice these phrases that the Lord uses in verse number 11 he said I'm full in verse number 13 he said I cannot away with that word away that means to endure the Lord said I cannot endure it in verse number 14 he said I'm weary to bear with him talking about all their sacrifices all their religion all their motions God said I've had enough Amen. You say, well, preacher, if he had enough of the sin of the world in Genesis chapter 6, what's he had enough of here? The sickness of his people. That's how he begins the chapter. He said, from the top of the head to the sole of the foot, there's no soundness. You're sick. You've got bruises and wounds and putrefying sores. He said, they're infected. They've not been treated. They've not been closed. They've not been bandaged. Or you went on and he said, that's what he said. He said, the whole head's faint. the heart's sick. Or what God's saying is, if you don't get some help, these wounds are gonna be mortal. They're gonna kill you. Amen. And the Lord said, I've had enough of the sickness of my people. Oh, he got to sitting heavy on me today, brother Junior. That I read these scriptures here, and I read all that these people are doing, and all that they're doing, and all they're doing is they got motions, but it don't mean nothing to them. They just got they're going through the motions. But it don't mean nothing to them. Oh, they don't have no problem giving their sacrifices. They don't have no problem brother Roger leaving their bullocks or their goats and their dogs, and giving a part of their wheat and a part of their grain. But they don't want to do anything about their sin. They don't want to fix the heart of the problem. They just want to cover it over. They won't come to, in our terminology, can I put it where we are tonight? i I'm about done. I want you people of God to hear me well tonight. I'm not preaching this out of a wrong spirit. God knows my heart. I'm the most guarded uh, preacher, I think, against that. I've sat under wrong spirit preaching. It don't do anybody any good. I'm not here tonight to preach in a wrong spirit. I'm preaching out of a broken heart <coughs> and a heavy spirit and a heart of love. But we're in the day where we've sold out emotions and we got no movement of the Holy Ghost and it don't mean nothing to us in this day. We just come to church. We sing our songs. I'm going to tell you what an old preacher told me. He said, we've learned to preach like he's here, sing like he's here, shout like he's here, cry like he's here, wave our hands like he's here. But the old mountain preacher said, if he ain't here, he just ain't here. There's no substitute for him. God said, I've had enough. But before, God said, I'm going to, He said, if you refuse and rebel, you're going to be devoured with a sword. He said, my judgment's coming on you. And if we go to the New Testament and interpret that for us, the Lord said everybody everybody that belongs to Him and those that He loves, He chastens them. The The rebuke, the reproof, the correction of the Lord, the judgment of the Lord in His righteousness falls on the people of God if they will not deal with their sin. We'll never shake the motions. We'll never shake the mechanics. We'll never get rid of the rituals and the routines and get back to where it really is. Get in touch with God. Draw nigh to Him. Pull up at the table. You can't sit at His table and commune with Him until you're willing to deal with your sin. It's what the Lord said. He said, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land willingness is an inward attitude the word willing means to be yielded to it means to have a desire for it means to long after it has to do with our heart there has to be an inward attitude of willingness to the Lord but it can't stop there Paul got to writing over there of the Corinthian church and he said they're willing. They got a willing mind and a willing heart but you can't stop at willingness. There's got to be some obedience. That is an outward action, an outward manifestation. The word obedient means to follow through with what's on the inside and a work of God in the heart of his people that begins inwardly and works itself outwardly in obedience unto him. And the Lord said, I've had enough. I wonder in this day, among this sickness, and I ain't talking about the physical sickness that's going around of our day, and I think we're better off sometimes not even mentioning that stuff, it just gets people's mind on it. I ain't worried about all that tonight. What I'm preaching about is an inward sickness. It's a sickness of the heart. It's way down deep. You might mask it well. You might camouflage it from the preacher, camouflage it from your husband, from your wife, from your mom, your dad, your children, or from everybody else in the church, but you can rest assured you'll not hide it from God. Yeah. He knows all about it. And he said, you're going to have to deal with it. He said, there's hope. There's mercy. If you'll deal with your sin. I'm going to tell you something tonight and the Holy Ghost spoke this to my heart as real as, and you, you can judge me, it was as real as if any one of you said it. The Lord spoke to me last night, Brother Joe, and he said, I'll give my people a space to deal with their sin and if they don't deal with it with me, I'll deal with it for them. And I'd a whole lot rather deal with my sin with him Amen. as for him to overstep and deal with it for me. I got to thinking today. Wonder what we'd read about David if he had dealt with his sin with God before God had to deal with his sin openly. Yes, I wonder if when David did what he did, if he'd have brought your eye home and just fessed up and said, This is what I've done, quit trying to cover it, or quit trying to hide it, quit trying to make it out to be a something that's not, and I'm gonna tell you what sin does, even in the heart of a child of God, sin begat sin. Yes what happened to David he sinned once and he had to keep sinning to cover up the first sin and instead of David dealing with his sin and pleading for the mercy of God and I understand God still had mercy on David if he didn't he'd have snuck David out I'm going never read about David again I'm glad God is merciful I'm glad he is gracious but I'm going to tell you what God dealt with David sin openly because David would not deal with his sin with God yeah. 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 David had to lose more than, we focus on that little boy. But David lost way more than a little baby that day. The sword of God come into David's house and the Lord said it's not going to part because of what you've done. Reckon what we'd read. Now I know God is sovereign. I know, I'm not saying and questioning the word of God. I'm just saying what if, what if David had dealt with his sin instead of God having to deal with it like he did in the life of David. David lost one son. Then he lost Absalom. You say Absalom rebelled against David. It was all a part of that sword not departing from David's house. David got filled up with pride. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. I'm going to tell you why the church is so prideful on this day. It's because we got sin inside we won't deal with. And it does our pride good to point everybody else's sin at Old Nathan the prophet come by. He said, I want to tell you a story. There's a rich man had a bunch of sheep. And there's a poor man who just had one little ewe lamb. And there's a stranger coming instead of that rich man going out yonder to get one of his that he could afford to lose. He went and stole that little poor man's sheep and took it home and prepared and gave it to him. And David got angry. It's that pride inside of David because of his sin. That sin was working... Inside David. David said this man ought to pay. He ought to restore fourfold. Nathan the man of God pointed his finger in David's face. He said thou art the man. And instantly David's attitude changed. Because David realized right then and there you can believe what you want to. I believe that is the point in David's life. He realized God was fixing to deal with his sin because he wouldn't deal with it with God. What about Achan? These are the two that came to my mind today. What about Achan? What if Achan, before they went out against Ai, if Achan had come and said, Joshua, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. You told me not to covet that Babylonian stuff. But he said, I just couldn't help myself. I was trying to do better for my family. I knew it was wrong and I hit it in the tip. I want to confess before you and God and get it right. What if he'd have done that? See, I'm here to preach to you tonight that your sin don't just affect you. It's the biggest lie of the devil there's ever been. Is that your sin only affects you? People say, well, I ain't hurt nobody but myself. Tell that to the 36 men that lost their life because Achan sinned. Right. They went up and looked at AI, and I don't like to preach this way. And my, some of my people are here. I don't preach this way often, but it's on my heart. And I can't do nothing but preach what's on my heart tonight. They went up and spied out Ai and come back and they said we don't need to send our whole army just send two or 3,000 men we've can take we've worked bigger than them and they sent just two or 3,000 and 36 of them lost their life and they fled, the whole army fled and they come back to the camp and Joshua said Lord what's wrong and the Lord said somebody sinned and they started giving inventory now you'd have thought when Achan realized what was going on, Achan would have run to the tent and said, it's me, I'm sorry. It's me, I'm sorry. I want to get it right. I want to get it, I'm sorry. But he just kept her head. What Achan thought was his flesh said, God will never figure it out. Joshua, it'll never come to light. I'm going to tell you something tonight. Yes, now, now you're sitting there in your seat and... You're thinking I'm preaching to you about your sin and you're thinking that I'm telling you that you've been out on a bar stool drinking or you've been out committing it. That's not what I'm preaching. probably ain't nobody in here guilty of that. But we're going to have to get down where we live. There's some, uh, some sins that ain't there. Uh, what we call them gross open sins but there's much sin in the eyes of God as fornication and adultery and drunkenness is the sin you harbor in your heart. That's right. That's right, to Achan it was nothing. I mean, it's just a garment and some pieces of silver and a wedge of gold. I mean, it ain't nothing compared to what was laying on the grounds that day. Now, I'm going to tell you what the devil will do in you and your flesh will do. It'll say, that ain't no big deal. Just tell that lie. It ain't no big deal. Just go here or go there. It ain't no big deal. Use some of these words. It ain't no big deal. Achan didn't deal with his sin, so God dealt with it for him. And I'm going to tell you, it's burning in me tonight. If Achan had dealt with his sin privately, God wouldn't have had to deal with it publicly. But God brought her out all in the open. And I'm going to tell you tonight, God's still the same God. And God says if you'll deal with your sin... I'm extending mercy and grace if you're willing and obedient, but if you don't, you'll be devoured with the sword. That sounds like an open judgment to me. Are you willing to deal with your sin? I wonder if you're willing to settle division. Are you mad at somebody in the church? Is there strife in the church? Is there a schism? I know it's going to get quiet, but I'm going to preach my heart. Is there a schism in the body? Paul dealt with it at least three times at Corinth. They just couldn't seem to get the picture. He did, dealt with it in chapter one of First Corinthians. He said, I've been told that there is strife and contention among you and division. One saying there are Paul and one's of Apollos. He said, was Paul or Apollos crucified for you? He said, we're nothing. You weren't baptized. I mean, they were having to be... And you said, preacher, that's foolish. There have been churches split over more foolish things. They were arguing, brother, Roger, over which preacher they got saved under that's right in our terminology they were arguing whether they were part of the church because one got saved while Apollos delivered the gospel and another got saved while Paul delivered the gospel and then in chapter number 3 Peter come along and they got to arguing because somebody got saved while Peter preached the gospel and caused division in the church we've had a whole lot less things called division in our churches in this day Oh, Lord. You put your money in the offering plate, it belongs to God. It don't belong to you anymore. But they didn't put down the, oh, Lord. They didn't put down the color carpet I wanted in the church. Help your heart. You say, preacher, that's foolish. I've seen it bust churches wide open. They didn't put the front door in with five lights. They put one in with three. And I I wanted the five instead of the three. You're doing right. I've seen it bust them open. He said, preacher, we're trying to have revival. You're right. And this is revival preaching. Revival's not for sinners. Revival's for the church. Revival is a rekindling of a fire that's already there. A sinner ain't got no fire inside of them. God's trying to put some wood on our fire and fan our fire for it to blow and go and burn brightly in these dark days. But in order for that to happen, we're going to, have to deal with sin, and we're going to have to settle some division. Somebody, they didn't look at me the right way today at church. I went I'm just preaching tonight okay you don't have to get mad at me I hope you don't because I'm preaching my heart I've seen it happen I pastored a Baptist church long enough to know I was in evangelism I don't even like that word I know it's in the Bible but we've made it a dirty word in these days and it was a sad day in our day when the church became an organization and ministry became an occupation That's right, hundred but I was in evangelism for over two years and God really opened up. I'm not bragging on me. I'm going to tell you how low I was and how little faith I had. I resigned my last church, not the one I'm at now, but the one before. And I to- I was at the bottom. I-, I told God. I told my wife. I said, I- I'll never preach again. I mean, I won't preach hardly enough. I was so convinced. My faith was so little. I-, I mean, I was just so convinced in my spirit. Brother Roger, I went to the store and bought a calendar. I was going to show God at the end of the year how little I'd preach whole year went by and we was on our way to church one Sunday morning I remember it like it was yesterday and tears started coming out of my eyes I looked at my wife I said do you know I've preached 47 out of 52 weeks this year why I said all that is to say this I've been in enough places walk in full house walk in six months later less than half full don't even have to ask the preacher what's wrong Somebody got their feelings hurt. Yeah. There's strife in the church. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. The Bible said, and, and I don't allow my children to use the word hate. It's a strong word. God don't use it often. And my, but my Bible says, He hates them that sow discord among the brethren. Amen. It's how much God values unity. He said it's how good... And how pleasant it is for brethren the people of God to dwell together in unity Amen. he said it's like the anointing oil the precious ointment of a high priest that ran down on the beard all the way to the skirts of the garment that's how much value God puts in unity among his people and he'll not tolerate division no, sir. No. Paul said by the help of the Lord that it was God's desire in God's body and the body of Christ that there be no schism which is a big word for division right. in the body but they, they should all be fitly joined together right. and he said the body is compacted by that whichever joint joint supplies in other words if I read and study my Bible right there to Joel that means for the body to operate correctly every body member has to be in its rightful place amen Throw your back out and then see how well you work. The illustration's there for the body of Christ. It works the same in the church. I understand that Paul's writing about the entire body of Christ, but there is application there that here we are in this assembly tonight. This is a local body. It is a reflection, a smaller reflection of the entire body of Christ. And if the whole body's not having division, each local body should never have division among it. I'm going to tell you what division will do. It will quench the spirit. Yes. It will yes. grieve the Holy Ghost. Yes. Brother Junior said it right tonight. The Holy Ghost is not a it. He's a he. Right. He's a person. Brother Hyatt preached last night. As much a person of the Godhead as God the Father and God the Son. And he has feelings. Very, very sharp feelings. And if you grieve him, he'll go somewhere else. Right. He only goes where he's wanted. That's right. And he knows when he's wanted and he knows when he's not. Yes. I've seen them come to the altar, get up and say, You know, there's talking among themselves when I got up from the altar. They didn't know what they were talking about, but they automatically think that them people were talking about them being in the altar. And it caused division in the church. They didn't shake my hand at church today. And it caused division. You say, Preacher, this is foolish. No, it's getting down where we live. This is what happens. We're all people. We all have feelings. We all have thoughts and most of them are no good. That's right. 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 I know I'm right. And we got problems and we think too much of ourselves and that's one of the big. I said we, put myself in there and Paul said, let no man think any higher of himself than he ought to think and if we do, we deceive ourselves. I'm going to tell you tonight, the greatest deception going on in the world is not televangelism, It's not the read-a-men crowd. It's not the easy one, two, three, ABC crowd. It is us deceiving ourselves. That's the greatest form of deception that the world and Satan and the flesh ever warred against the church with. It's for us to live in a fantasy world about ourselves. And the majority of the church lives in one most of the time. You're living in a fantasy world if you think your sin's not affecting you. You're living in a fantasy world. If you think you can get by with your sin, if you belong to God, you're not going to get by. My Bible tells me if you can sin and get by, you don't belong to Him anyway. But the Bible said if you be without chastisement, well, all the partakers. We've got to call time out right there for that verse is not all in the world. It's all the people of God. All the people of God are partakers of chastisement. And if you're not, you're a bastard and not a son. That's what the Bible said. I know I'm preaching right tonight. I know it's not popular and I really don't want to preach this way, but it's on my heart. Are you willing to deal with your sin? Are you willing to settle division? However petty it is. I'm going to tell you, I've seen some of the greatest moves of God in, in what short time I have preached. I've seen some of the greatest moves of God happen when somebody on this side of the building gets right with somebody on this side of the building. And I'm going to tell you something amazing. A lot of times the one on this side of the building didn't even know the one on that side of the building was upset with them. Division don't have to be two-way. It just takes one member getting out of the body. One member getting out of line. One member getting out of joint. It affects the whole body. But then I'm done tonight. Are you willing to die out to yourself? Are you living a life in your Christian life and you're just going on and doing what you want to do? We pray sometimes and say, Lord, we want Your will be done, but we're going to figure out a way to bend His will. Now, we'll never bend His will, but you understand what I'm saying? We figure out a way to convince ourselves and we'll bend what we think is His will to our will make us feel better about what we're getting ready to do. How many times have we got down? I'm saying we. How many times we got down to pray and ask God if we can do something? I'm not talking about something that we know we're asking God whether it's right or wrong as far as sin. I'm talking about do something, make a purchase. We ought to pray about them all. How many times we go down and get down, Brother Roger, to pray, and we're gonna ask God if we can do this, and already in our mind we're gonna do it whether God says we can or not. Any of you ever made that mistake? I have. I bought a car one time and didn't ask God whether I could have it or not. Drove it 3,000 miles and the transmission came out of it. You say, preacher, that's unheard of. No, that's right. My Bible tells me I don't belong to myself anymore. I was bought with a price and great was that price. God gave everything He had to buy me and to buy you. And Paul said, because of that, then you're to glorify God in your body and your spirit, which both belong to God. If we knew tonight, sinner, saved person, if you knew tonight was the night God was going to say He'd had enough, would you do something about what's wrong in your life? Sinner, if the Holy Ghost is drawing on you and grace has been extended to you and a welcome invitation has been given you to get on board the boat and you knew tonight God was going to say He would had enough in your life, would you get on board? Say, person... If God's dealing in your heart and He's put His, you don't have to sit down while I'm preaching and try to figure out what you may or may not have done. If there's something wrong in your heart, if you belong to God, He has a good way of pointing it out to you. you already know. If you knew tonight the Lord was going to say He'd had enough of your sickness, you need to deal with your sin. You need to settle some division. You need to die out to yourself. You need to resign your will to His will. You need to yield yourself. submit That's what the Bible said. Submit yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God. And then let Him exalt you in due time. God resisteth the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. And He'll lift you up. It could very well be tonight, and it's been heavy on my heart today, that God... Is at the verge of saying he's had enough. And you're here tonight and you need to do business with God as we stand all over the house. Is that alright, brother?